This is the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Well, another episode for you, episode number 10. And today I'm really excited. A guy that I love and uh, really been ministered to a lot, uh, Pastor David Guzik from Enduring Word. He's going to share a lesson with us today um, talking about organization and structure. Organization and structure. Right now we're, we're going through a lot. Uh, you know, one of the recommendations that I give on, on the blog and even through this podcast, I give a book of the month. Um, and the book that I recommended last was Leadership Pain by Samuel uh, Chan. And he talks about the importance of uh, how pain can actually produce progress. It can produce growth. And without pain, we actually don't grow. And we're going through a lot of pain as ministry leaders, aren't we? Figuring out the new normal. When can we go back? Or how do you do online church? How do we still disciple people when we physically can't touch them or be with them? Um, What does that look like? And here's the cool thing. The Lord knows. He knows that we can actually disciple people. He understood this all thing was coming and praise God for technology. Praise God for Zoom and Skype and FaceTime and text and calling and online church. Uh, But as leaders, we're getting overwhelmed because there's so many options. And here's what I want to tell you. Uh, Methods change, but the message doesn't. And it's important for us to understand that there is organization and structure that as leaders we need to put in place to help people walk in the vision that God has given us. Uh, For us as a church, we're moving forward with the vision of faith, hope, and love. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13 that these things remain faith, hope, and love. And so what does it look like for our church in COVID-19 season to continue to pursue and proclaim Jesus, to continue to make disciples that saturate our world with the love of Jesus. Like, how do we accomplish the mission and vision God gave us? It looks totally different than two months ago. But that's okay because the method changed, the the message does not. And organization structure is really important for us. And so David Guzik, uh, he is a Bible commentator. He has a great ministry, EnduringWord.com. You can actually check it out. It's incredible, great Bible teaching, and I asked him to share a lesson for season three. And he sent it back to me, and it was about organization and structure. The Bible guy, the expository scripture guy that has read the Bible not only once, but has studied through it. Let me just tell you this, it's very spiritual and important to organize and to plan. This is a part of God's process. God is a planner. This is why we're so uneasy because right now it's hard to plan in this COVID-19 season because we're made in the image of God. It brings structure. Without the walls up, uh, the, you know, people cast off restraint uh, when they don't have organization and vision and, and these type of things. And so um, I just love that. I love that about David Guzik, that he, he's a man that applies God's word. And he's not just giving us another Bible lesson. He's giving us something specifically for this audience Season 3, EE Leaders of Organizational and Structure. And so I thought, man, this this episode is still fit for us as ministry leaders. Uh, Even though it was recorded a couple of months ago, God knew, put it on His heart for us to learn right now. And and let me me share something that we're doing as a church. 
as far as uh, organization and structure and how to uh, minister and do ministry. And, and listen, David's lesson is amazing and you can get right into it. But let me give you just a mini lesson, a practical tool of what we're doing uh, to sort of deal through this COVID-19 season. A lot of people are doing Zoom calls. They're doing meetings. And people don't know actually how to do meetings. I remember one episode, first season, I had uh, Pastor Steve do an episode just on how to run a meeting. A lot of people don't know what it looks like. And so I made up a process, a tool, where people can go and actually run a community group meeting or a meeting with their family and friends. Uh, just something practical to walk them through, like what would a, a time a meeting look like, whether it's a 15 minute meeting or an hour and 15 minutes. And it's five P's I want you to think about when you go through a meeting. This is some organizational structure, it's a tool for you in this season, especially during um, amongst the COVID-19 season, coronavirus, as we're really, all of our meetings are digital uh, for the most part. The first thing we wanna do is have people process. We just wanna ask questions. As people are jumping on Zoom, ask them how their day is. Be fun, be silly. Uh, what'd you have for dinner? What's the favorite food you've eaten? Uh, anything new, what's going on? Ask them truly how they're doing. One thing about this whole uh, pandemic uh, is people are going deeper, quicker. And so ask them, hey, how are you really doing? What's going on in your life? How, 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 what are you thinking through? And help them process the situation because I feel like right now, uh, the enemy is using this to bring isolation. And although we're social distancing, we're not distancing ourselves spiritually. We're to continue to have fellowship with believers. And so a gift you can give people is just simply by listening. The Bible says, be quick to hear, slow to speak. Ask questions and then listen. And I would say, honestly, have this be half of your meeting. Just ask people questions. Oh, what, what did your daughter make? What struggles are you doing? How does that make you feel? People are, are grieving, they're in shock, they're in awe, they don't know what's going on, they're angry, they're in denial. They're just going through so much stuff. Ask them questions, help them process. And then the second P I would say is after you help them process and you're talking and going back and forth, just talking questions and you can go from lighthearted to more serious questions, pray. Ask, can I pray for you in that? And then just pray for people. Okay, so you want to help them process and then you want to pray for them. And, and as they're as you're hearing their, their, their uh, heart, as you're just drawing it like a, a wise man from the well, like water from a well, just as you're hearing this out of the, the heart, the mouth speaks, be praying for them silently, but then ask them, hey, can I pray for you right now? And most of the people say, sure. And you can do this for a believer or non-believer. This could be for a church meeting or a non-church meeting. This could be a great witness for us that God's people would pray. We know that 1 John 5.14 says that we can have confidence the Lord hears our prayers. And so we want to pray for them in that meeting, silently, out loud with them, and then after the meeting is done, continue to pray for those people. The third P we want to do is after we pray, ask them, how can I help? Be very practical. Help them process, pray for them, but then be very, hey, can I bring you some toilet paper? Super practical. Do you need any groceries? Can I Vimo you some money? Like, well, what does that look like? Like, how can I help you in this situation? Is there anything I can do for you? You know, it's often said that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so the fourth thing is to proclaim good news to them. 
to share the word of God, to share the gospel, to, to encourage them. But before you do that, you need they need to know that you care. And so as you're talking to them, as you're praying with them, as you're asking them, then go into the fourth P and say, hey, this is what's gotten me through this hard time. And I say proclaim rather than preach. You don't have to have some polished answer. The Holy Spirit can use you and you can actually just proclaim be like, hey, I listened to this song. It ministered to me. Here you go. I'll share it on Facebook to you with you. Or you can just simply just, oh man, I just want to read you this verse. You know, the Lord, the Bible says, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't even have to be 30 minutes like a preaching thing. But, but we can preach the gospel. We can proclaim God's word. We want to point people to God in this moment for hope. And then lastly, I would say is plan. Plan your meeting. Okay, so you want to help them process, you want to pray, you want to be very practical, how can I help? And you want to proclaim some good news and speak the gospel and hope into the situation. And then you want to plan, hey, this was great, when's the next time we can do this? Would you be open to meeting again? Maybe it's with your family. Hey, maybe once a month we could start doing this now. Or, or you know, okay, uh, you would mentioned you needed some um, groceries. Can I come by on Thursday at this such and such time to, to bring them to you? Plan things out and plan your next meeting and then be done. And so whether your meeting is for 30 minutes, you would take 15 minutes to process, a few minutes to pray, ask how you can help, maybe share one verse, 30 seconds, and then say, let's go, do it again. So whether it's 30 minutes or whether it's two hours, you can actually use this tool to structure. And I found that as we've been leading community groups, as we're sharing this process and tool with it, I've written a blog at uh, redemptiondb.com blog. You can actually talk about, uh, read it. It's a detailed map out of how to do these five Ps and to share Jesus in your meetings. Um, but I feel like as you have this structure and organization, it's giving people handlebars to actually do ministry. And this is why organization and structure is important for leaders and a church. Because people need practical steps to walk in discipleship. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. They wanted, they wanted someone to look at and to guide and to say, what does that look like? How does this work? And so David Guzik just does an amazing job talking about this. And without further ado, I want to give you my pastor friend David Guzik's content uh, this is a message he did specifically for you. I pray it blesses you. And uh, we'll look to you. We'll see you guys next week. God bless. Today, I'd like to talk to you about a principle of ministry. Uh, you could call it a principle of leadership because it isn't confined just to ministry. But I think it plays a very significant role in ministry and one that's often neglected. Look, we are serious about teaching and preaching the Bible. We want to be the best trained preachers and expositors of God's Word as we can. And of course, that's wonderful. We, we should do that, and we should do more of it and not less of it. But there's other aspects to being a servant of God, to being a minister among and a leader of God's people that we need to pay attention to. And a principle I want to talk to you about today is something that I think is so big in the Bible that it's the kind of thing we can miss the fact that there's a forest out there because all we see is trees. And what I mean is the leadership principle I want to talk to you about today, or ministry principle, whatever you want to call it, are the principles of structure and organization. Now, we understand that God is a being of order and structure. 
there's nothing chaotic about God. He knows what he's doing. He has a plan. He's moving it towards accomplishment. And you could say that nothing is accomplished in God's kingdom without order and organization. Now, I understand sometimes it may seem so to us. Sometimes it seems like God is doing things purely out of left field. Nobody had any inclination. There's no order. There's no organization. I get it that sometimes the work of God appears that way to us. But I want you to understand that's only an illusion. Behind the scenes, God is moving always with utmost order and organization, even though it may be invisible to us. Now, God passes that on to us as not only men and women who are created in his image, therefore order and organization should be of some value to us, but also in the fact that we are co-laborers with Jesus Christ. I mean, we are called to come alongside a God who does things with order and organization. Therefore, order and organization should be important to us. One of the reasons why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14.40, you know that verse, let all things be done decently and in order. In other words, God values this idea. Now, we're going to talk about this and what some of the limits, so to speak, are of order and organization. But I want you to think about another kind of limit. I want to challenge you with the idea that there is a limit to what we can be and there is a limit to what we can do for the Lord without order and organization. Look, I, I don't know if it's true of you. People are different, and some people are more just kind of naturally inclined to organ, order an organization than other people. But I will say this, that I've met more than a few people, including myself at times, where a lack of order and organization was very much holding me or others back in what we could do for the Lord. I want you to think about it like this, that it isn't so much that order and organization are requirements for progress in the Christian life. They are progress in the Christian life. Now, again, we'll talk about it in a moment. It's entirely possible to make an idol out of organization. It's possible to have a kind of organization that shuts out God and the work of the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about that. But in general, we become more like God when we become more organized, when we become more ordered in what we do. Again, I'm not speaking about an extreme sense, but this needs to be a challenge to us. Sometimes we just accept an unacceptable level of disorganization or chaos in our life, and we just write it off. Well, that's just how I am. Well, listen, you may have that ingrained propensity to it. I know I kind of do it. I'm not a neat freak by any means, but uh, there's a limit to that, how that chaos can hinder us in our work. Remember what Paul said to Titus in Titus chapter 1, verse 5. He said, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you may set in order the things that are lacking. I mean, that's a needful thing, isn't it? Paul recognized that these congregations on Crete, apparently on the island of Crete, Paul and some other people, including Titus, had had something of a successful evangelistic campaign. They had established many churches across the island. And now it was left to Titus. Paul went on to some other place. It was left to Titus to stay behind in Crete. And what was he supposed to do? Set in order the things that were lacking. Now, 
order and structure, this is my second point. The first point is that order and organization are part of God's very being. They are important. And the second point is this. Order and structure were an important answer for Moses when he was overwhelmed with his leadership responsibilities. Now, I'm not going to turn to those verses. I'm trusting that you know the story of uh, Moses and his father-in-law Jethro in Exodus chapter 18 when they're coming up to Mount Sinai. There they are, and as they gather there, there um, Moses is overwhelmed with the responsibilities that he has in leading the people of Israel. It's just too much for him. He's doing too much. Uh, there's too much being put back upon him. And what does Jethro help him to do? Jethro helps him to order things. He says, listen, Moses, this is what you got to do. You've got to break up the nation into groups that are successfully smaller. You know, I forget what the exact numbers are. A leader over 100, then a leader over 1,000, then a leader over 10,000. You know, graduated up a chain of authority, a true order and organization to Israel so that this will help you. I want you to understand that there was an element of chaos in the way that Israel was structured and the way that Israel was operating when they came out of Egypt that was absolutely poisonous to Moses as a minister and as a leader. Now, this is what I want you to understand. I see a huge dynamic in the Exodus, particularly illustrated in the book of Numbers, which we're going to speak about in just a moment. But in the Exodus, when Israel comes out of Egypt, they come out as a people who have been a slave people for some 400 years. That had a great effect on them, and God wanted to transform them. And one of the things he wanted to do was build in them a greater sense of order and organization. So, number two, organization and structure were an important answer for Moses when he was overwhelmed with the leadership responsibilities that he had. If you feel overwhelmed, maybe part of God's answer is you need more order and organization around you. Okay, here's number three. Number three, organization and structure only work well when the people in the organization are properly selected, when they're properly trained, when they're empowered, and when they're supervised. Now, this is just sort of an obvious demonstration from Jethro's advice to Moses and how Moses carried it out. He selected people, he trained them, he empowered them, then he supervised them. Please understand that all of this came to the idea that uh, this organization that he had in a people sense. Now, organization, that principle gets carried out into all sorts of things. Uh, I'm kind of glad that there's sort of a tight camera shot right now uh, to my uh, desk because what you see in the video is pretty organized. What you see outside of the video is much more disorganized. There's some clutter around here. So we talk about an organized environment. We can talk about an organized schedule. But then there's also organizations that should have some kind of rational and hopefully spirit-led structure that takes advantage of the gifts and the callings that God has brought together for the people to serve and to minister in it. But those people that you're counting on to bring forth a sense of organization, they got to be properly selected. They got to be properly trained, empowered, and supervised. This is a whole nother subject that's really worthy of investigation, the subject of proper delegation and leadership with something to give a lot of attention to. Now, 
here's a third principle, or exactly a fourth principle. It's the third one that we're drawing from Exodus. Uh, the first principle had to do with the fact that God is a God of order and organization. The second one had to do with Moses's problem. He was overwhelmed because there was a lack of organization. There was too much chaos. Uh, in order for them to execute, this is the third principle, the chaos properly, they had to have the right people and they had to be trained and supervised well. Here's the fourth one, again, drawn from the book of Exodus and the whole situation with Jethro. Sometimes those outside of our immediate situation can see best how we should organize and structure things. Isn't it interesting that God brought this wisdom and guidance to Moses about how things should be structured and organized, how to get away from the chaos and how to organize things, how God brought that wisdom to Moses, not through Aaron, not through Joshua, not through Caleb, not through any of the Levites. He brought it from an outsider, uh, Jethro, who, who wasn't even of technically the tribe of Israel at all. And this shows us that sometimes people from outside our immediate situation can see best how we should organize and structure things. I don't know if you're like me, but in my days, I have encountered some people that really have the gift of, well, you could call it the gift of administration. You could call it the gift of organization, because really that's kind of what administration is. And I think that God has a role of organization and administration for every single one of his followers. But I can't deny that there's some people that he is uniquely gifted for that. I know people and uh, they just have that talent. If you have a church staff, whether they're paid staff or a volunteer staff, that person could come in and spend a few hours or a few days with your staff and they'd tell you, uh, okay, you need to let go of this person. You need to put this person in this position, and then you need to bring somebody on for this. And they'd be right. But oftentimes, not only is it that they are particularly gifted for that, it's also a matter of the fact that outside eyes can often see these things more clearly than we can. If you're dealing with a church administrative structure, with a ministry administrative structure, if you just feel like there's too much chaos around you and you need to bring some organization to things, I'm not saying don't try on your own. Certainly you should. But if it's not working, don't be afraid to bring in somebody from the outside. They can't command you. I mean, you don't have to do what they say, but you may find a lot of wisdom just like Moses found wisdom with Jethro, his father-in-law. Now, a fifth principle I want to get across to you is that organization and structure begin with a correct current assessment of the present condition. You, you can't uh, do well, uh, you can't organize things well until you know what you have. And a great principle for that is in a very obvious place in the scriptures, the book of Numbers. I mean, that's what the book of Numbers is all about. You know, in the beginning of the book of Numbers, they take a census. And then at the end of the book of Numbers, they take a census. There's about 38 years between the two censuses. It's Latin, is it sensi? Anyway, you know what I mean. Between the two times that they took a sentence, there was about a, a gap of about 38 years. God wanted them to count at the very beginning. Why? Because before you can organize anything, you got to know what you have. You, you got to know what's available to you. You, you need to know, and, and I wonder if you know this in ministry. 
do you know the resources that God has given to you? Now, you say, David, I know the resources God has given me, and they're not that many. I, I look at my bank account, and there's not a lot of resources there. I take a look at the building we have. There's not a lot of resources there. I take a look at other things. It, it, you, you may be troubled by the lack of resources. I want to know, are you really aware of the people resources that God has given to your congregation? Who knows how many untapped gifts and talents and abilities there are among your congregation. Maybe they're untapped because there's not a level of spiritual maturity where those gifts and callings can flourish. Maybe they're untapped because nobody asked them. Maybe they're untapped because there's some spiritual things that need to get resolved in their life. I don't know what it is, but you need to have this. Where are we at? What do we have? What, what are our presently available resources? What are resources we have perhaps in people that could be available with some discipleship, with some training, with some ministry training? So you got to begin with knowing what you have. And that's why God called Israel to begin with counting what they had. Now, this is what I love about this. I, I truly believe that the first thing you get to, okay, what do I got? What can I do? Where are we at? And every once in a while, I don't know how regular, I don't know if you should do it every year. I don't know if you should do it every year. You should get your leadership team together and say, okay, where are we at? What do we have? What resources do we have? Where are we strong? Where are we weak? You got to be able to use a uh, athletic terminology. You need to be able to scout your own team, not just scout the opposition, but know what you have. Okay. When God wanted Israel to do that, he made them start with counting, yet, check this out, it's absolutely fascinating, God commanded them to not count the tribe of Levi. Isn't that fascinating? God says, count all the tribes, but don't count the tribe of Levi. Now, I think there's probably many reasons for that, but one of the things that God wanted to communicate through that was that there are some things that can't or shouldn't be counted. Israel had to appreciate that some of the most important things that we have, you can't count them. You can't tabulate them. They're there, but God alone knows how much you have. See, I guess what I'm trying to say is taking inventory is fine. And it's even a necessary first step in organizing uh, for victory to take hold of God's promises for you and for the ministry that God has for you. But when you take an inventory, you always have to do it understanding that some of the most important factors that you have, just like the Levites were in Israel, some of the most important factors you have, they cannot be counted. No inventory is truly complete, and God always works mightily through the things that can't be counted. I don't know how you quantify how much love there is in your ministry team or in your church family. I don't know how you quantify how much faith there is. And these are things that are important and we need to abound in them more and more. Yet, let's be honest, it's very difficult to quantify them. I think God works that way deliberately. Why? Because again, and I'll get to this with the sixth point, but let me just kind of preview this. Again, order and organization are important they're bound up in the very being of God. However, it's easy for us to make an idol out of order and organization. That's why God said to Israel, count, but not the Levites. You can't count everything. You can't account. There's some areas where you just got to say, listen, 
this isn't given over to chaos because God is in charge. But I don't have any control over the order. I don't have any count of it. I don't have any, um, you know, structure that I will impose upon it. This uh, causes us to be very humble in the way that we deal with order and organization. Yes, we pursue it. Yes, we see the importance of it. Yes, we see that it's bound up in the heart of God. Yes, we'll bring in people even from the outside to help us with it. But at the same time, it's not an idol to us. It's not an idol because we recognize that some of the most important things, I don't know what you would regard as the most important tribe in Israel was. We're not trying to have a competition with that, but you got to admit the Levites were important and they were not to be counted. All right, now on to my sixth point. Organization and structure must be humble, recognizing the limits. It will therefore remain flexible and adaptable to the higher purposes of God. Now, we get this, and you can read up on it if you want. You get this from Numbers chapter 2, where God organized Israel, arranging them in their camp and arranging them in their marching ranks in some counterintuitive ways. When you notice it, and, and I won't get into the details, so I'm just going to talk about the principles. You can dig into the text for yourself. Numbers chapter 2 and following. When God set Israel in marching ranks and arranged them in the camp of Israel, we probably would have done it differently. Where God set the bigger and the more powerful tribes and where he set the smaller and the more vulnerable tribes, that we perhaps would do it differently. Again, we don't make an idol out of our organizing. I want to stress this point. God's order is never arbitrary. It's never just made up on a whim. It is after his heavenly pattern. Now, we must always accept God's order and organization, even when we don't understand it. There's going to be certain things that God tells us to order our church leadership with, the qualifications in 1 Timothy and Titus, the roles that God has for men, for women in the congregation, uh, the kind of things that he wants for the training and the equipping of people in ministry, all those kind of things. There may be some of those things that we don't want to accept. But listen, we must understand that God's way of order and organizing may be did I say it may be greater than this? It may be beyond our comprehension is what I'm just trying to say. Now, one other point I want you to draw from this idea of the camp of Israel and how God wanted it to be organized in uh, ancient Israel, in the Exodus, I should say. When God arranged the camp of Israel in Numbers, Everything was positioned in relation to the presence of God, to the tabernacle. You see, God could have described, for example, where the tribe of Judah was in relation to the tribe of Dan. But God didn't do it that way. The reference point was always the tabernacle. The reference point was always that, that demonstration of the presence of God himself. Now, why do I say that? Because it's hard to underestimate the trouble people get into in their walk with God because they position and measure themselves in reference to other people. What do I mean? I mean, God is supposed to be our focus, not other people. 
We're not there comparing ourselves with other people. No, not fundamentally. We relate ourselves to God. And since the tabernacle was symbolically the presence of God with them, this meant all order in Israel began by being centered around God himself. That's where order and organization begins. Lord, I want to draw close to you. You seek God diligently. What's your plan for order and organization in my life, in my family? Lord, is chaos hindering what you want to do in my family or my ministry? This is a great challenge for some of us. Now, I I suppose that some of you who are watching this, you are kind of organized maybe to a fault by nature. You kind of are something of a control freak and you want everything organized. Well, listen, uh, have a little bit of pity on your brothers and sisters who operate with a little greater level of chaos. We're not all built the same way, but you need to be careful that you don't make an idol out of organization. All right, let me uh, wrap this up with some points of application. Number one, why don't you make an honest assessment of the level of order and organization in your life? And just ask yourself a question. Is a lack of order hindering you? Is there too much chaos in your life? Is order and organization an idol for you? Are you falling off on either side of the boat? You know, it's been said that the devil doesn't care what side of the horse that he gets us to fall off on, either being too extreme in one way or too extreme in another way. Uh, We need to take a good look at those, an honest assessment of them. Ask God to search your heart, to show you, to give you the eyes to see. Number two. Ask yourself, is my tendency to be too rigid or is it to be too flexible when it comes to organization and structure? Are you way out of balance? What's your tendency? Now, when you recognize your tendency, which by the way, is a God-given tendency, God forbid that we would have all hyper-organized, rigid people. God forbid that we would have all super spontaneous, chaotic kind of people around us. No, there's a role and a place for both, but... You need to understand your tendency and you need to understand the strengths and the weaknesses of that tendency. So think about it. Analyze it for yourself. Ask God to give you some insight. Number three, think about it. How could better organization and service help your ministry? What is it that is just plain chaotic and would benefit from some real order and organization? Now, it's possible that there may be some aspects of your ministry that are chaotic, and you have a very real sense from the Lord, God wants them to be that way. God wants them to have that real note of spontaneity. Okay, that's fine, but only if you really sense that it's the leading of the Holy Spirit, not because you're too lazy to organize it. You see the difference there? We don't want to take our laziness, our embrace of chaos, and blame it on the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. There may be things like in our ministry that are like the tribe of Levi. God says, don't count that. Uh, You're not going to organize that. But it needs to be because God has led us to do so, not because some failing in our character. Number four, ask yourself a question. How well do you select, train, empower, and supervise others within the organization and structure that you have? What do you do the best of those things? What do you do the worst? Are you best at selecting people, training them, supervising them? Uh, Get some wisdom and uh, build up some of these areas. Maybe bring in people who have gifts that you don't have in those areas of truly delegating and raising up other people. Then number five, and I'll 
leave it with this. Ask yourself the question, who can help you with order and organization? I mean, look, maybe you need to bring in somebody from the outside who's just great with administrative stuff. Maybe you're great at administrative stuff and you can help some other people around you. But listen, oftentimes we need a Jethro in our life who can come in from the outside and give us this help. Brothers, sisters, uh, I want you to fulfill your ministry. I love that line from Paul's writings. Fulfill your ministry. He said it to Archippus. I think it's in Colossians. Fulfill your ministry. And I think that there are some of us who don't fulfill everything God would have because there's just too much chaos. We've accepted too much disorganization. God leading you and God helping you, you're going to grow in this area. You're not going to become perfect, but you're going to grow. You're going to do better. And God's going to do more of it in your life. That's my prayer for you. And I pray that God would really help you with this wonderful area of organization and structure to flow with a God of order in seeing his work done on this earth. This is a three-minute message brought to you by Redemption Church, Delray Beach. My name is Laura, and my husband is Daniel. He's the pastor at Redemption Church. And he asked me if I would share with you today a little bit about something that I've been learning through the book of Proverbs. So I want to read to you from Proverbs chapter 15, verses 16 through 17. It says, Better a little with the fear of the Lord than a great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. And the reason that I wanted to read that with you today and as a reminder for myself as well so I think that um, for a lot of us, especially those of us who are parenting, there's a lot of pressure today to um, feel like we have to provide everything perfect for our kids and for our families. Um, with the age of Pinterest and um, Instagram and everything, there's so much comparison and all these ideas and things that we want to try and create, which I think they're not necessarily bad things. They can be good things. But even like this proverb says, there's nothing bad with a fattened ox or great treasure. But the scripture tells us that it's far more important that we have the fear of the Lord and the love of the Lord present in our homes rather than um, a great feast or every you know good and wonderful thing that there is in the world around us. Um, if you're raising your family to know Jesus and um, to love him, that's going to have so much more value for you. And another thing that this proverb mentions is says great treasure and trouble with it. Um, a lot of times the things that we wish that we had or we feel like would fill our lives um, or make us more happy, we don't even think about the things that come along with those. And so um, rather than fretting the things that um, that we feel like we're missing out on. I think that we need to, and I need to be thankful for the things that the Lord has provided for us and trusting that, um, that those are the things that we need. And so I hope you're encouraged by that today and that um, just a reminder that God has given you what you need and to rejoice in those things and just to be thankful for His love in your life. Thank you so much for listening to this Leadership Lessons podcast. You can watch all the episodes and get all the show notes at eeleaders.com. If this podcast was a blessing to you, I would love for you to share it with your friends on social media. You can find us on social media at eeleaders. 
You can also help us spread the word by simply writing a review on iTunes or Google Play. My hope for you with this podcast is that it will encourage you and equip you to continue to serve Jesus. Because remember, there's nothing better than doing what God has called you to do.